and welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda, I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm doing all right. Tonight we are here for yet again another Friends Like That episode where I ask my friends to come on my podcast and they say yes. And here's one of those friends. Hi, Audrey. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, you are one of my friends through previous guest of this show, Tease, who also is on my other podcast, Jeez. and Serena, who was in uh, the last episode that we recorded. And I'm very excited to have you here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into Revolutionary Girl Utena? Yeah, sure. So I will start by saying that Utena was... Uh, not the first Ikuni series that I watched. Um, it, in fact, wasn't even really the second one, if you count Sailor Moon. <laughs> but um, the first one that I actually watched was Mawaru Penguin Drum. So imagine this. The year is 2011. It is September. And I am a junior in college because I'm old. I didn't realize you were that much older than me because I graduated in 2011. From high school? Yeah, from high school. Yeah, I'm, I'm two years older. It's fine. No, three, I guess. No, two. Yeah. Anyway, Math. I'm a junior in college. It's, it's September 2011 and I'm a junior in college. Like any good baby weeb, I was, of course, part of the anime society that we had there. <laughs> I should also point out that, like, I've been involved with, like, fandom for a very long time. And, like, anime fandom, anime manga fandom specifically. Um, I started writing, like, Inuyasha fanfics on Quizilla. Oh, my God! That was, that was how I started, with Inuyasha fanfics on Quizilla. That is a time capsule of a sentence. And that was 18 years ago. That was 2002. That's the year The Loveless came out. Oh, fuck, buddy. It sure was. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, you know, writing Inuyasha fan, fan fiction on Quizilla when one day one of the authors that I really liked and whose quizzes I followed was like, hey, guys, I found this great new website for fan fiction. It's called fanfiction.net. If you want to follow my... Uh, <laughs> my my stories there you should move over it has like great features and all that stuff so this should really give you an idea of where we were at <laughs> fandom wise back when I started getting heavily involved with it so you know I was so that was like my freshman year of middle school well I was 11 that was sixth grade um so I was fairly involved with anime and manga throughout middle school and high school and part of that was you know, I would go to like board, uh, Barnes and Nobles and Borders back when Borders still existed uh, every week with my $10 allowance and it would immediately go to a volume of manga. So, of course, when I entered college, I was I like, believe they used to make us pay $10 a volume for manga. Absolutely Wait, absurd. Were y'all buying those? Yeah. I used to just read them in the store. I didn't figure out about reading things in the store until I was, like, at least a junior in high school. <laughs> how, okay, how did this happen? Me, the one who is the most lawful good, figured <laughs> out that, what are they going to do? Send the book cop after you? You're a child. 
Well, I think part of it was also that the Barnes and Noble that I frequented had a very like the the section where the manga was was like a very small little bookshelf. It was not very uh, available. So I did both. You know, I um, I I absolutely did read there as well. But there are some series that I really enjoyed. And I was like, yeah, I definitely want to buy these. Boy, the the history of my manga purchases is paints such a regrettable picture. It's really unfortunate. What I had the entirety of, the only thing I bought that I had the entirety of that like I don't regret purchasing was all of Sayuki, which is one of my favorite series, if not my favorite series. I don't even think I'm familiar with that series. It's like, it's a fun retelling of Monkey slash Journey to the West. Okay. Um, it's in perpetual hiatus because, like Tagashi, the author Kazuya Minakura is in body hell. Yeah, because uh, being a mangaka is famously very good on your your physical body. Yeah, so it's in like perpetual hiatus. She'll like do a new chapter once every three years. It's fine. It's whatever. It's I enjoy it. Um, so that's the only one I don't actually regret. Others that I had the entirety of included uh, Descendants of Darkness, Gravitation. Gravitation. It's a bad BL. <laughs> it's a bad BL. Gravitation's probably the worst. It was all BL. BL was literally all I actually purchased. So it was. <laughs> it, I mean, I'm not shocked. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. It was gravitation. It was descendants of darkness. It was loveless. It was, and then like off to the side, it was um Hanakimi, which is BL adjacent. Um, <laughs> I would say, uh, given that. It features the main character is um, a cross-dresser who pretends to be a boy to get into the school where her celebrity crush is going. Um, (laughs) And also there's like a prominent gay doctor in it. (laughs) And uh, Fruits Basket. Fruits Basket was the other one. Hooray, Fruits Basket. Fruits Basket was good. I never never did Furuba, but everyone else seems to be having a lot of fun. So I support you. (laughs) So yeah, so, you know, I made it to college and of course I was like, yeah, I don't really know how to interact with people. I'm going to join the gaming society and the anime club. They might as well, anime society, that they might as well have been the same club. I imagine there was a lot of overlap there. It was, if it was a Venn diagram, it would have been a perfect circle. <laughs> the only difference, the only difference was that the gaming society was larger. Literally every member of the anime club was part of the gaming society, but not the reverse. Okay. But again, exact same demographics. Um, Now, it turns out that the people who ran these clubs were terrible, terrible people and terrible, terrible friends. I'm shocked. Um, Yeah. So, like, that didn't work out so hot. But I was a baby lesbian who didn't realize, who who had, like, already come out as, like, bi, but was still interested in and dating men at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Which made Utena very interesting for me to watch. While I, <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so terrible people. But the anime club in particular was run by a girl who I didn't particularly like because she wasn't a good person or a nice person. But she did have pretty good taste. She had like niche bitch taste. <laughs> so like outside of things like Utena, we watched like a lot of Yuasa anime. You know, we watched um, Tatami Galaxy as it was coming out, and we watched Kimono Zume, and we watched Kaiba. So, you know, we watched all of that. We watched um, 
Katana Gatri and Bakemoto Gatri, which wasn't as great. She so she like she she did like Shaft, which was unfortunate. We watched Madoka when it was coming out. Well, Shaft is the best. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> All you need to do to make a good anime is have someone look look at the camera behind their shoulders, like with a with that specific kind of pose. You know uh, yeah. Alice, we, we love and support the shaft head tilt. <laughs> Alice, back back in the day when we were watching, when we were watching shaft shows, we didn't even have people. We got black and red screens, and we were happy for it. I mean, I I do unironically love shaft anime. Yeah, it makes some part of my brain happy. But yeah, so you know, we watched a lot of shaft. We watched like a lot of Yuasa, and um, we we decided to watch Penguin Drum when it was coming out. Because Penguin Drum started airing July 2011 and it finished in December. So, you know, by the time we were at school and it was, you know, September, it like it had started airing and we watched a couple episodes to like a week to catch up. And then we were watching it for the rest of it. So we actually the first the first thing we watched while it was coming out was Mawaru Penguin Drum. And, you know, Amy, that was <laughs> that was the head of our anime society, our anime club. Uh, there's no chance that she will be listening to this. But if you are, hi, Amy, I didn't like you. <laughs> she now translates porn. So that's oh, fun. Well, uh, you know, good for her, I guess. Yeah, she does. Um, She does. She translates arrow gay. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Okay. That's her job. She's like an official paid translator for like localized Arrogay and other visual novels, I guess. But Arrogay is definitely part of it. I am intrigued. How is that? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't. Uh, I I wouldn't be able to tell I want you. To know now, Alice. I think you found your new calling in life. There you go. Like she she did it. Like good on her. She she studied Japanese and she got a career out of it. Like you know. Hell yeah. But anyway, so I really enjoyed Penguin Drum a lot. I I've I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think Penguin Drum is Ikuni's best work. Contentious opinion, I know, but um, <laughs> especially on a uh, podcast called Imagine Me and Utena. Well, the fact that we the fact that we are a podcast about Utena is just entirely like. It's just sort of by chance. I was just listening to other anime recap podcasts and I was like, everybody seems like they're having fun. I want to have fun. And then I was like, what could I do a podcast about? And I thought, I don't think I've seen an Uthana podcast and it would probably be pretty funny if I made someone watch it with me for the first time for a podcast. And then now, uh, four years later, here we are. (laughs) Yeah, we, um... I had never watched it before, and um, have to have all those uh, all those emotions in real time. Yeah, yes. really. That was around the time when we were we had we had really started becoming friends. Yeah, we were not yeah. even that close friends yet, and it's like let's go through this uh, powerful emotional journey together. Like us being us being like really really friends with the capital F was a very new development. <laughs> kind of a point. trial by fire, huh? Honestly, it really was. honestly, it was great. Nothing, nothing like uh, incest anime between two friends. The Venn diagram of Loveless and uh, <laughs> the Venn diagram of Loveless and Utena is incestuous older brothers who control every aspect of their younger siblings' lives, up to and including romantic partners. When you said that on Twitter, I felt like through my phone because you're right, and I don't know how this had never occurred to me. Oh man! But yes. 
Penguin so, Drum. So yeah, so I watched Penguin Drum. I won't go too far into it. Um, I think it's Ikadu's best work. I was obviously intrigued. And um, I'd always known about Utena because I'd existed in anime and manga spaces since I was 12, when I was now 20. <laughs> and it, you know, you you gain some some understanding of like cultural classics. Yeah. But I'd never watched it, so I was intrigued. But I didn't actually watch it until later, like a couple months later, when Amy, who I was rooming with at the time, this was a messy situation. (laughs) My junior year, I made a bunch of choices that were probably not great. We all make choices. Yeah. So, So I was rooming with Amy at the time, and that was when like the special collector's edition Blu-ray DVD set of Utena came out. Okay. Okay. So Amy, the other thing about Amy is that she's probably ace. She really liked cute girls in anime. Her favorite character was always cute girls. So I think she was an ace lesbian. I could be wrong, but like, that would be my guess. So she got the like really nice Utena box set and I was rooming with her and like, we watched it. Like she hosted like Utena watch nights. And I was like, listen, I've made it through Penguin Drum. This cannot be more distressing to me than Penguin Drum. And I was correct. It was not more distressing to me than Penguin Drum. Penguin Drum was worse. (laughs) That being said, it does have that old Ikuni charm where any straight relationship is just absolutely terrible from start to bottom. Yeah, I I can't wait until we finish because Yuri Kuma is not very long, so we're probably going to finish it by the end of this year. Maybe I I don't know how many weeks are left in the year. I don't like to think about the fact that the year is <laughs> almost over. But uh, once we finish Yuri Kuma, I am definitely you. You are on the short list for Penguin Drum episodes. I'm very Imagine excited. Imagine the Crystal Princess. I don't know what we're gonna call it. It doesn't fit as well as Yuri Kuma did with Utsuna. <laughs> Yeah. Imagine me and Kyuhara. <laughs> uh, imagine me and Desiree getting gas attacks. <laughs> That's the um, title. That one rolls off the tongue. Yeah. That that is uh, something that has to do with uh, Penguin Drum Alice. You'll you'll find out. Yeah, it contains zero spoilers as well. <laughs> is that what the survival tactics are to survive? Um, is that what they're surviving? Well, I still haven't finished it, so I can't say. But um. That's distressing. It's so yeah. I mean, we 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 can talk about it in a bit, but uh, I was I was talking to Panda a little bit how there is a main difference to me between Penguin Drum and Utena, which is Utena is from top to bottom a fairy tale, and everything that it borrows from is fairy tale tropes, and it's all very rooted in like this high concept fantasy fairy tale uh, storytelling, like narrative, sort like in the same way that like almost Princess Tutu is. Yeah, yeah. This is not the first time that we've had Utena compared to Princess Tutu. I have. That's one I haven't watched yet, but it is. uh, Oh, it's good. Extremely up my alley because I'm love me some some magical girls. It's good, and it even has a good dub. Hell yeah! So you know, I I watched it both subbed and dubbed, and I was perfectly happy with both versions. But anyway, so it's you know, Utena's like incredibly rooted in like fairy tale and fantasy, whereas like. Penguin Drum is much more of like an ahistorical, I would say more sci-fi than fantasy take on like this very, re- on like some very real events and like questionable taste for Ikuhara to actually try to cover these things. 
frankly. Questionable taste is sort of his brand. Uh, yeah, but questionable taste is sort of his brand, generally speaking, with like incest as opposed to like, I don't know, like imagine like South, like the Simpsons did 9-11. Yuri Kuma is sort of not entirely based off of like a real bear attack or at least like kind of inspired by. I don't really know how the lesbians play into that, but uh that's just Ikuhara being bored with straight people. As we all are, really. I gotta say, you gotta admire a man who spends four se- seasons of Sailor Moon trying to kill Tuxedo Mask, even though the manga <laughs> very clearly shows that he is the love interest because he hates straight people so much. The the war between Ikuhara and Naoko Takeuchi. Fucking legendary. Yeah. So, so how was your first experience watching Utena? Well, it's interesting because, again, I just come from Penguin Drum. And to me, Penguin Drum is such a more distressing story mm-hmm. where I was almost like, Utena, like, happened. And I feel like the things that would, like, shock most other people on it. And there's a lot of Nutena that would shock a lot of people upon first watching it. Was like, I was like, and eh, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, we might as well have, like, two incestuous pairs of brothers and sisters. Yeah, that's fine. But listen, it was great. Like, it was it was obviously a classic. I'd always had an interest in watching it. The Blu-ray was beautiful. It's an iconic series. And it was, like, nice to have it as part of, like, my repertoire as well. This was also, again, like, I didn't like the people I was doing this with. But I will say that in terms of, like, my taste in anime, I'm really glad that the shows we watched were the shows that we watched as opposed to, like, fucking Naruto for four years <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Not that I didn't also watch Naruto for four years, but, um, (laughs) you know, so in many ways, I am grateful for the exposure that I had to the series that I, that I had. I think it really developed me into whatever part of me has critical thinking skills about anime today. I credit to that part. I have a lot of very bad taste as well, but I do have the critical thinking skills now to know that it's bad taste at least and not try to like defend shitty series for being shitty so yeah you know it's um it's an incredibly wild series it felt to me almost like two very completely distinct series between the two seasons well three seasons three three seasons sorry between like the like we are the student council series and the we are the black rose oh yeah the 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 shift between student council and black rose is it creeps up on you but boy is it drastic it really is. So I was like, like, I was like settling into the group of like, all right, like Anthe is a metaphor. Anthe is the landscape through which everyone else works through their personal issues. Cool. That's fine. I mean, it's not, not true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like getting used to that. I was like, all right, that's fine. Oh, I forgot that there's actually three pairs of incestuous brother-sister relationships. Jesus Christ, Ikuhara. But, and then we're just like, and now for these assholes. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Any other secret societies in the (laughs) depths of the school we should know about? (laughs) No, just this one. Okay, cool. And then, you know, and then Akio happens and... He sure does. And then Akio happens. And and really, that's... What else can we say about Akio that hasn't been said already? Unfortunately. We do keep finding new ways of saying things. How does Utena change in a movie? She changes into a car. Great, thank you. Um. Well, I mean, we just, we just discovered that, like, 
um, my joke about Uthana being a mecha series was true all along. Yeah. And also the castle on wheels. There's so much. The big question that one of the one of the reasons that you stated for wanting to come on the show, uh, who's your favorite character, Audrey? My favorite character is Miki. My favorite character is Miki, and my second favorite character is Jury. And um I said that makes sense. Yeah. And I mostly really like the two of them because they are to me peak uh Willowa Mlem solidarity. They really are. <laughs> and like I really admire them because they're like both of these guys are like on the student council and both of them have their moments where they're like, all right, we need to use Anthea as our landscape to work through our personal issues. But like outside of the times when like Shiori or Kozue are involved. They're, like, just on the side, literally sipping tea. <laughs> like, Toka's out there. Toka's out there being like, all right, everyone, here's the rules. This is the student council. I am the president of the student council. What I say goes, unless the president of the school gets involved. But I have special privileges because I'm also sleeping with him. Wait, you're also sleeping with him? Doesn't matter. Anyway. Um, <laughs> This is the student council. We have a job. And our job is, no, I will not explain to you why. We have to fight over the Rose Bride. Because having the Rose Bride means you have power. So uh, everyone obviously wants to have possession of the Rose Bride. Anthe is mine for now. And I know you very much want to have her. And like, Jerry and Miki are like, eh. They're just kind of like, uh, okay. Yeah, he's like, like they're both like, will this like, will possessing the Rose Bride help us work through the like really fucked up romantic relationships that we both have? And Toka's like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Sionji's like on the side frothing at the mouth. Yes, he is <laughs> like, constantly. Yeah, like and, and Toka's like, yeah, sure that'll she'll do it also this is like a requirement if you want to be on student council so can't uh make an omelet without cracking a few world eggs am i right y'all <laughs> but uh so like they're just like there and they're like they're extremely messy themselves but for the most part they like don't think about how messy their own personal lives are and just like are catty towards how messy like Toga and Sionji and Utena are. The thing is, is that everyone is messy, but when it comes to like everyone but Jury and Mickey, everyone else is just messy much more loudly. And much more, yeah, and they're messy in ways that like affect other people badly. Like Jury and Mickey are like, yeah, okay, we don't really care about Anthe, but like she's the way the the again, the conduit he thinks that he cares about anthe for a little bit but it's just because he thinks of her as like a not a caricature but a representation of the the person he thought kozue was when they were like 10 right and like it's like they don't care about like possessing anthe right like yeah toga, toga and sayonji care about possessing anthe whereas like Miki and Jury arguably actually see Anthe as a person. They don't see her as herself because no one sees her as herself. They're willing to entertain the idea that Anthe might actually be a person. Right, exactly. That you could hang out with and maybe have a study group with or something. Yeah, who has her own personhood outside of other people. <laughs> like They may not understand her and they don't exactly try very hard to do so. I mean, to be fair, one of them is like 13. But <laughs> he's just a little creature. They can picture it, you know? 
Yeah, and like that's the other thing about Miki that I really like is that he's just a little creature. He cannot change this. He is a baby. But yeah, so like, you know, Jury Jury and like Miki don't really care about possessing Anthe outside of the again, like being like, all right, we have like some pretty difficult personal issues and relationships that we need to work through, and Anthe is apparently the conduit through which we do that. So just gonna borrow her real quick. Gonna pull some swords out of people and uh, never talk about these things again. <laughs> Catch me never playing the piano or looking at a locket ever again. Was uh, was Mickey always your favorite or was this something that like changed as you watched the series? No, Mickey was always my favorite. I, I Mickey's also like my type in terms of character. I really like polite, well-spoken young lads. So I saw him and I was like, yes, boy. It's like, mm, I like that one. Yeah. And then Jury was like, hey, listen, you stupid bitch, you're a fucking lesbian. <laughs> um, and I was like, all right, ma'am, we'll have that discussion at another time. I currently have a boyfriend. <laughs> anyway, not thinking about that for a little while. Yeah. Oh, no, no. At that point, we'd broken up. But it had been, it'd been earlier that year that I had a boyfriend. So like that was... Like Miki was Miki, and like to this day, I still I still gravitate towards the polite lads who ask their papas for a fancy treat. <laughs> <laughs> the fig and lady finger McFlurry for uh, good little lads who deserve a fancy treat. I'm sorry, this is... <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, you gonna be okay, Alice? I will make it. I'm sorry, I was like on mute, like cackling over. The lady finger. <laughs> 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 and like, imagine what that would be like. <laughs> so, like, yeah, so it's like to this day, that is still my preferred character type. I can't tell you why, because it is, again, like essentially the polar opposite of who I am, which is a not particularly sweet or erudite bitch lesbian. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, we all have our vices, I guess. So, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I just think they have fun together. I really like seeing the two of them together interacting. I like the little scene that they have in the movie when they're in, like, the car garage where, like, Jury kind of, like, flirts at him a little bit. But, like, it's... I never really took that as... It never felt like she was actually flirting and more like she was just kind of busting his balls. Yeah, 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 exactly. And boy, I mean, the movie is such a trip after the series. Oh, yeah, yeah. It God. sure is. God. A car trip, you might say. <laughs> I mean, to me, the most wild thing about the movie is that Toga's not despicable. I know, right? They're like, what if we made Toga decent? And I was like, don't do this to me. Like, he gets to be cool for exactly eight seconds. Yeah. I was like, I I don't hate Toga in this, and that's fucking me up a lot. That's also how I feel about, uh, you may not have read the manga. manga, I have not read the manga, no. I also feel that way about manga Toga, who is actually, um, despite still kind of being a shithead, he has some more endearing moments. There's like a subplot where he like, is indebted to Utena and so like just goes and lives with Utena and Anthe for a little while oh and God. is like 
like helping like take care of them or whatever. It's it's very strange, and you can definitely <laughs> tell that uh, you can tell that the the mangaka for Utena had a, a soft spot for uh, Toga, which is very funny. At least no one likes Sionji. Um. <laughs> what was i saying uh so yeah so you know i listen miki and uh miki and uh jury they're good characters brent they sure are i like to see them interact with one another they're cute i re- they have like a really heartwarming relationship to me as well like i felt like they had one of the most genuine friendships in the entire series for sure which is for a series that is so actually concentrated on like romantic relationships and for the most part, how terrible they are. Having this like non-romantic, like solid friendship was a nice bit of relief. Maybe the real revolution was the friends we made along the way. Shit. But what if unironically it was that? Yeah, really. Is, that is that is literally enough. Yeah. I will say though, of course, by the end of the series, I don't think this will come as a shock to anyone. Nanami was probably my favorite character. Yes. Supremacy. But that's because but that's just by virtue of Nanami being literally the only actually good character in the series. She's so funny. She cracks me up so much. I keep joking on Twitter about how I'm gonna get Nanami Notamago tattooed on my body. Here's the thing. Nanami is like the only character who actually did nothing wrong. Not for lack of trying. Not for lack of trying, true. She just kind of fell ass backwards into being a good person. Yeah, she actually did nothing wrong. Like, I love Miki and I love Jury, but woof, like I said, messy bitches. Um, (laughs) Utena, a lot of questionable stuff. Anthe, you did what you needed to do, girl, to survive, but boy, did you not care about the people you uh, demolished along the way. I don't know what you're talking about. Anthe Hamemia has never done anything wrong in her life, and I know this and I love her. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But Nanami is literally the only one who did nothing wrong in her life, and her, her reaction, having her as become essentially the viewer proxy halfway through the series was such a good decision chef's kiss absolutely perfect yeah like i didn't see it coming at all and to have her like stumble upon all the like fucked up shit that's going on and to be like the one person actually saying hey hey this is super fucked up it's one of my favorite parts of nanami's character arc is that like everybody like she spends the whole series thinking that she is i mean not just thinking but she is like just totally obsessed with toga and uh so everybody's like lol nanami wants to fuck her brother but then when actually faced with the reality of what that kind of relationship is like she is like she is horrified and disgusted yeah, like the the moment of her th- that actual moment of her discovering Akio and Anthe. Yeah. It's just like heart pounding. To me, that it was like the most like adrenaline filled moment of the entire series was her discovering them and being like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? Like Yeah. Um so I love Nanami as well. And I, 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 she did nothing wrong. She did nothing wrong. All she She's did so was good. love an egg and a cowbell too much. Um, <laughs> and like, maybe be a little mean to a kid who was obsessed with her, but like ultimately pretty caring of him. 
Suabuki is uh, an interesting character. We've done. We don't speak about Suabuki. We we've done character episodes, but Suabuki is like the only one we haven't actually talked about because. I would be hard pressed to find someone who says that Suabuki is their favorite character. Wow. I mean, what would we talk about? It would be like 30 minutes of us just like of me groaning in agony about the episode of the Black Rose arc where he's in it. Oh, yeah. Well, everyone, they, well actually, no, people probably love that because they, they love when um, we have fun at my expense. They do love it when. Um, Fun is had at my expense, so we might actually be able to, to squeeze that one in. There. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, true true MVPs are the Shadow Girls. Yeah, uh, I I don't know if you've seen Alice and I's tattoos, but we have the the Shadow Girl one one each of the Shadow Girls on our leggies. I believe I've seen Alice's. <laughs> I believe I saw Alice's at CCE. Hmm. At what now? Were you at, were you at CCE, Alice? Um, what is a CCE? Oh, no, never mind. It's the water park convention. There's a water park convention. Yeah. They have conventions for water parks. No, it's a convention that takes place at a hotel that is. I it oh. has a water park. It has it has an indoor water park attached to it. It is the Kalahari Hotel and Water Park Resort. I've seen another. <laughs> uh, that makes more sense. I was trying to figure out what kind of like, what kind of panels do you have in a water park in this? Uh, no, it, it's uh, it's a con, and then also people like to hang out in uh, swimsuit versions of cosplay out at the water park. Yep, that is definitely not me. All right, yeah. different Alice. My bad. Uh, I've, I've seen uh, I've seen other Shadow Girl tattoos, and I I feel solidarity with every one of them because I love the Shadow Girls. They're so good, so good. But uh, yeah, and so that's sort of that's sort of my history with Utena, um, and my favorite characters. Um, have you? I, I you've been very involved in fandom. Have you ever? Uh, really participated in Utena fandom i know it's not really your your favorite ikahara show <laughs> i i read some fan fiction it's uh, it's a difficult show, show to find uh, fan fiction for that doesn't suck yeah um, I, and there was a lot of fan fiction written like especially when Utena was more recent that is uh questionable I will say this, for my tastes, Akio has a very large presence in oh, that's unfortunate. the Utena fandom. Larger larger than I personally care for. Um, <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, I mean, there is unfortunately a lot of room for horny Akio fanfiction, as horrifying as that sentence is. Yep. We've um considered uh we've considered talking about uh there's a there's a particularly infamous uh Akio Toga fic called uh The Observatory of Forbidden Pleasures and uh-huh. it is very 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 Sensual. exactly what it sounds like <laughs> Yeah, we were going to we thought about for like a uh, like a special thing for when 
when Utsuna fandom has meetups, they're called RoseCon. Like, no matter where it's happening, it's just, this is RoseCon. And one of the things that we've considered doing at a RoseCon is have is recording uh, some dramatic reading of Observatory of Forbidden Pleasures, but... Uh, I would definitely. I don't know that I'd be able to put that in the main feed. That might have to be. A- that might have to be a Patreon exclusive. Yeah. I don't know if I can be responsible for that. Remini. I've only read clip. I've only read little uh excerpts from it, and it is a lot. Well, yeah, I would say probably my my most significant interaction with the fandom would be so at the anime club. We always um we would start meetings with AMVs. Oh, fun. It was actually fun. It was a well-run club, even if I didn't like the people in it. Um, and uh, we did definitely start one with the Tralala AMV. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. You know, it occurs to me we could do the uh, that fanfic. We could, we could basically do it on air like some kind of like radio play. Oh, no. Horrifying. Horrifying. Yeah, I can rework it. I can do a script script treatment of it, and like we we could we could even we could even like you know have a full cast. Evil on yourself. You should do it as a uh, as a fundraiser. I've experienced far worse creative endeavors. Tbh. Yeah, uh, I mean, you were uh, very active in the My Little Pony fan fiction community. Oofa doofa. So no, it was worse than that. I had to. Um, or their biggest fan fiction site, which is pretty big, was pretty big back in the day. I was a story approver for about a year or so. Oh, oh boy. I got to push the button to let things on the site. And let me tell you, it's like that bit from Hellraiser where they're like, we have such sites to show you. <laughs> I've seen things. Oh, God. I believe that. I didn't even know that there was a process of approving things to go on the site. I assumed that if you wanted to write on fan fiction, they just sort of let you in. Nowadays, they only make you do it for the first one or two stories, because it turns out that th- that process is a nightmare and um, that it like literally breaks people's souls. Cool. It's like uh, being fun. a content viewer for Facebook. It made me want to die, so like I can only imagine what it did to other people. God. Did I read any fan fiction? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, a, a couple. I think it was mostly Toga Sionji because I have terrible taste. Yeah, I'm. I've. Uh, I. I. One day the one day people will come down on me for my Tosai tastes, but uh, you know what? Today's not that day. Sometimes, All right. you sometimes you just like garbage. You know what, Panda? We'll have a summer wedding. <laughs> seriously audrey and i all have such interesting places where our tastes intersect yeah, i discover on twitter and usually it's like the really most regrettable places <laughs> um that's fine um i watched a trauma amv yeah i mean that's where i watched a uh bring me to life amv oh, a couple God. weeks ago I will say, I will say that I actually watched like a lot of really good AMVs through that club, and there are like some artists that are like irrevocably associated with certain anime for me. Um, <laughs> now, like I can't listen to a Florence and the Machine song without thinking of Monica because there are two really good AMVs. One set to Cosmic Love, and the other set to Rabbit Heart that we watched at the same time. There, um, that's where I watched the infamous Princess Tutu Halamig AMV. 
The what now? So Princess Tutu has, in my opinion, the greatest AMV ever created. It is set to um, a Swedish song called Hall Am Mig, which translates to Hold Me. And it is just like impeccably done. It's so good. Mm. The it is it is the timing of it is just like remarkable. And the editing of it, it's it's even not understanding the language of the song, it is an incredible AMV. Okay. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I think anyone who is involved with Princess Tutu at all, you will hear people reference that they'll say like Come watch Princess Tutu. It has fairy tales. It has love squares. It has homoerotic tension. It has that AMV. Um, <laughs> and like, <laughs> that's the AMV they're always talking about. We should probably do an episode about Utena AMVs at some point. We've talked about it before. We've had like a guest who makes AMVs. Yeah. But uh, it's never been the specific topic of conversation. That'd be fun. I think that'd be great. Yeah, because there's there's a lot there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's fuck, buddy. Really, I'm just glad that AMVs are a thing that people are still doing. It brings me joy. Stop calling them fan cams. It's a fucking AMV. <laughs> it's only a fan cam if it's from the K-pop region. Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, it's sparkling AMV. <laughs> what is your favorite arc in Utena? I really like the the first sort of like get to know you student council arc. I don't really care for Black Rose, I'm going to be honest. Yeah? Um it felt a little out of left field. You've literally wounded me with dagger <laughs> serrated dagger right in my heart. Pull it out that I might die for you. It is it is very much Ikahara just uh throwing all the things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. And, uh, like, it just, like, it comes, like, on so quickly, and it's like, whoa, okay. And I wouldn't have had an issue with it if it was, like, sort of, it ended up being, like, the the actual main villain of the series, right? It was, like, Black Rose Society, but it wasn't really. I mean, it was under under the, the purview of Akio, but it's really Akio and really the main villain is society. Am I right, fellas? Anyway, <laughs> the real villain is gender roles. Maybe the real villain was the, uh, patriarchy we lived under the entire time. Oh yeah, um, it sure but- is. Buddy. <laughs> and I think, I think just sort of by the nature of the way it's introduced, like the student council grows on you so much. I think. I agree. In, like, the first arc. And, like, they're fun because they're all messy bitches. And I kind of wanted to see all these messy bitches be messy. Yeah, the Black Rose arc does sort of take a detour away from the student council proper yeah. into what everybody else has going on. Which I I like it because I like getting to find out some of the deals of some of the side characters. But, yeah, it is uh, it is quite different. But I would what I would have loved, and I agree with you. I think some of the side, the the stuff, like listen, the Wakaba episode, Chef's Kiss. Oh um, my God! Yes, right. Like, of course. God, that hurts. It hurts so much. But I, I would have loved to have seen that integrated without, like, without like this entirely new villain group. 
I just don't think that like the Black Rose Society is like well developed enough as like an organization. There's a lot of implication there that you kind of have to like suss out for yourself. I can understand that. But like, honestly, the thing that makes Black Rose so good to me is that we don't have any of that. I would actually prefer that we don't because part of what makes that cool to me is that the Black Rose is a thing which is appears important because it is really less about Utsuna and company and more about how Akio has achieved a pattern of putting people into their own perfect hells of cycles, much as he has done with himself. And like he is Mikage's perfect hell is running parallel with Utsuna's and Anthe's. And we are just enough to understand it, but that lack of like info dump gives us a dreamlike air that makes the whole thing have that characteristic unreal feel that the show is moving towards in general. Like we get that a little bit with the student council where like, even though we know how the student council works, we have no idea where, how they get to the places they do, why they do the things that they do, what the stopwatch means. Um, There's this always weird dreamlike thing going on and, I can, I can see wishing there was more development there, but I'm kind of glad that there isn't. I'm glad that some things, like, don't have answers, like the stopwatch. Love that stopwatch. <laughs> I mean, we do have an answer now. I mean, apparently, according to Ikahara, it's just, like, the, right. um, the, the secret to peace, world peace now, basically. My favorite explanation for the, what the stopwatch is, is someone said one time on, I think on Twitter or something, that it was, he stops counting the moment he's fed up with whatever bullshit is being said <laughs> at the time. See, and that's why Miki's my favorite character. Um. It is pretty great. It's it's one of my favorite little, like, takes of the whole thing. Miki being just like, I've had enough of all of you. Please act your age. I'm the youngest one here. I cannot be responsible for you clowns. Wait, is he trying to do some kind of, like, conditioning? <laughs> is this, like, some kind of weird Pavlovian, Pavlovian thing? Miki's dog, and it's just Sionji. <laughs> it's like... When they're when the rest of them aren't there and he like does he does he like do the click thing and Sioji just like stops talking and like throws him <laughs> a treat? God, I would only hope so. God That's a that's a fucking fake right there. <laughs> oh Christ, don't speak these things into existence. Oh I'll um, write it. <laughs> yeah, like I I would have like in my perfect world. Everything happens the, the exact same way, just like there isn't this weird other society, right? Like Akio shows up and he's like, I'm going to cause problems on purpose. And he just like throws duelist rings to people. Like he's walking through school and he's like, oh, you look like you're having a good time. Let's fix that. Throw <laughs> someone a duelist ring. That is basically Akio's modus operandi. He's like, no fun allowed. This is my school and I said no fun allowed. No fun allowed unless it involves my dick. And I don't have to go through, like, the secret basement dweller society. <laughs> like, I don't have to go through all these these neats to make it happen. I know a blacksmith. I can make some fucking rings. Like, it's fine. I, I just, yeah, I, as an organization, and I don't think Makaka, like, actually adds much for me either. I just, like, especially in comparison to, like, Togun and and to an extent as well like Sionji like they felt like such realer threats to me yeah Mikage is a character that I 
grew, I developed more of an appreciation for after they made the Black Rose musical because, like, the guy who plays him really brings this, like, unhinged energy to him, like, towards the end of, uh, towards the end of the show, like, as he's sort of unraveling and it kind of made me under it made me feel like i understood his character a little more yeah but he he's much more he he's much more subtle in his madness in the show which is i mean it that's just more of how ikahara works everything is about uh what isn't being said it's more about the plot points you don't make yeah and again like if that had been the way it was from the start i would say so but like the the First half of the series is Ikuharu like slamming you over the head with a blunt hammer. He's not subtle. Yeah. So, you know, he's like, it's about what's not being said, except when it's about what's only explicitly being said. It's like, okay. So it's either one or the other when it comes to Ikuhara. Right. And I I just found that the transition from the first to the second didn't work for me personally. Yeah. And I also, again, like, my favorite characters are Jury and Miki. I like, I just wanted to see them be A, messy with themselves, and B, catty with each other while laughing at everyone else. I do love them being catty together. Uh, we're, we're getting close to an hour, so my last question, uh, and Alice, if you have anything else that you would like to, to say or ask, uh, you could do so as well. But do you have any intention of watching Ikuhara's newest show, Sarah's and Mike? <laughs> I mean, besides the fact that I already have watched all of it. Oh, I didn't know that you had watched it. Oh, I, hadn't. I did. I watched it as it came out. Oh, yeah. That was it was the first time that I had really like consistently watched a show as it like an anime as it was coming out. Yeah, I think I think that might be true for me, at least in like several years. Yeah. What did you think of Sarah Zamma? It's good. I like the it. Um <laughs> I actually, I, I really like the the tone that it struck because I feel like, I feel like tonally it was somewhere in the middle of Penguin Drum and Utena where it's, it wasn't obviously, it's not based in fairy tales, but it's based in mythology. Yeah. So, and I guess kind of fairy tales, like Kappa are basically fairy tales. Yeah. So, you know, while being in like a real setting, I, I like that. I like that. I thought the symbolism worked pretty well in it it's ikuhara at his most slapstick for sure yeah it was it it is like a lot more lighthearted than either utena or penguin drum were yeah and i in my experience also yuri kuma even though yuri kuma has a lot of uh a lot of jokes you know and obviously sarah zanmai has it's like very serious moments especially for once actually kind of okay sibling relationships yeah ikahara is like hmm normally i do either incest or lesbians or both this time i'm not going to do any of that yeah ikahara is like i'm not going to include any female siblings so that gets rid of the incest because they're not straight there were a lot of people that were pretty sure that Toei and Chikai was going to end up being one of those oh. gross relationships. And I'm very glad that it was just... Uh, like brother worship. Yeah. Like hero worship. Yeah. No, I was also... I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But no, it's just like two sets of brothers who like have very intense feelings for each other, obviously, but like brotherly normal feelings. 
but normal feelings and yeah. not weird feelings and not sexual feelings thank god yeah yeah Sarah I was good I like the it hell yeah it is good I like it a lot Alice do you have anything else um can't think of anything okay well I mean I think that about does it unless Audrey do you have anything else about Utena that you would like to any closing thoughts um any hot takes Utena probably is, uh, looking back, coincides pretty strongly with when I got into Transformers. So, you know, people transforming into cars, cars transforming into people. (laughs) Might be a connection there. In the end, everything is Becca. So. In the end, everything is Utena. Every story (laughs) that's ever been made is Utena. Yeah. All right, guys. Well... This has been wonderful. If you would like listeners to follow us on Twitter, you could do that at Utenacast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you could do that at Mpandanata. Alice, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me online at Lyrewolf, L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And Audrey, if you wish to be found, where can people find you? Yeah, sure. You can find me on Tumblr and Twitter at Optimum on Prime, which is my funny robot internet joke. And... If you are interested in hearing me talk about more old anime, you can follow and listen to Pod of Greed. That's P-O-G of Greed, uh, which is a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast that I uh, host with uh, a few friends. Next week, we are finishing Duel Monsters. We've gone through the entirety of Duel Monsters and we'll be moving on to GX, so... Woof. I have a, a very, very tender, soft place in my heart for the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime, so I will probably need to check this out. It's good. We have fun. Half of us watch the sub and half of us watch the dub, and we have very different experiences. Um. That's not, that, that is not dissimilar from Alice and I watching this show, because I watched the dub. Um, and I'm, I'm also, like, the sole person who reads the manga. Nice. So I joined, like like Alice here, none of my co-hosts actually liked Yu-Gi-Oh! or were into it, really, before they started their podcast. Like, Sarah Sarah started watching it, was like, let's do a podcast about it. And then, like, Dan and Max and Argyle joined on, and Elliot a bit later. And then I started off not as a main host, but as a guest, because I'm an actual resident Yu-Gi-Oh! expert, because it's been my hyper-focus for fucking 20 years. <laughs> because... I love to have fun, as I've mentioned. And now I'm actually on the on the show as a main host and still and I'm just like, this is not how this happened in the manga at all. What the fuck? So um anyway, it's an interesting experience. We are almost done with DM. I've never watched anything outside or interacted with any series outside of DM, despite it being like, again, my hyper focus for 20 years. So GX should be and onward should be like really interesting. <laughs> And then finally, if you are interested in following you can, The Reticulation, that's T-H-E-R-E-T-I-C-U-L-A-T-I-O-N on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr, which is the URL for a website I'm trying to launch with former guest of the show, Teresa, to raise the uh, voices of LGBT critics in the arena of pop culture criticism that we hope to be launching soon. It's Polygon, but for the gays. Yeah, for sure. There, I got, I got eleven months left to be thirty under thirty. Let's go! I believe in you. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited about the reticulation, and I cannot wait to see more progress for sure. Yeah, I know you and you and Tease have been working hard. Well, that 
that does it for that does it for this episode we we have patreon we have twitter we have uh an email address where i need to respond to some people's emails about coming on this show and uh we have a tumblr but i only reblog fan art on it i don't even post episodes on i haven't posted episodes on it in like at least two years probably uh (laughs) i reblog fan art because uh there's a lot of good news fan art and i like to look at it thank you everyone for listening to this episode revolutionize the world everybody see you later we don't use webcams while we record this show so nobody can see me dancing to the theme song.